That video does an excellent job of explaining the essence of the gospel. Last week here at the gathering, we started a brand new series in 2 Timothy, and that letter is saturated with gospel content. 2 Timothy is all about the gospel and the importance of guarding the gospel so that we have something substantial to hand off to the next generation without apology and without compromise. We also considered the challenge toward the end of the passage we studied last week. We considered the challenge given by the Apostle Paul where he says in uh, verse 6, Fan into flame the gift of God, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. After charging Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God so that he could serve more effectively and reach more people, Paul exhorts him again and says, Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. So just picture Timothy in the city of Ephesus where he would have received the letter written by Paul who was in, in, in Rome in prison. In Ephesus there are many competing religions and different worldviews. Kind of sounds like the Canada, doesn't it? Full of competing religious systems and worldviews. We live in such a pluralistic society today. Ephesus was a city full of idols, according to Acts chapter 19. And a riot actually broke out when Paul visited the city and preached the gospel. There were many people in the city who who mocked the cross and who made fun of Jesus. Not a very gospel-friendly city. And yet, in the midst of that that place, uh, Paul says to Timothy, who's ministering there, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, Timothy. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. and Don't be ashamed of me. Those people need to hear the good news of salvation. Well, some of us may need that same encouragement today. We have friends or family or neighbors or uh, aunts or uncles or workmates or classmates who don't know Jesus. They don't care about the gospel. They don't want to hear the good news. Some of them might even mock you for reading the Bible or going to church. And so we're tempted to just keep quiet, not say anything, put a sock in it. We, we don't want to stir things up with our friends. We don't want to make for bad relationships in our families. After all, we're polite Canadians, and we don't like to talk about religion or politics in public. <laughs> but the truth is, The truth is, we might be embarrassed or even ashamed of the exclusive claims of the gospel. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. What are you talking about? You're trying to tell me that Jesus is the only way to salvation? You're trying to tell me that I have to believe in Jesus if I want to go to heaven? I don't believe that. Surely you don't believe the whole Bible, do you? We hear comments like that. And Paul would say, Paul would respond, you don't have to be ashamed of the gospel or of Jesus or his servants. You don't have to be ashamed of the gospel because it's true. In 2012, the United States Anti-Doping Agency charged cyclist Lance Armstrong 
with doping and drug trafficking. The doping scandal ended his career and all the endorsements for the world's most successful cyclist. He'd won the Tour de France six consecutive times. Esquire magazine called Armstrong the greatest cheater of all time. It took a while, but eventually he, uh, he started making amends and publicly admitting that he cheated. He defended himself in the beginning, but he finally came around and started to admit it. He said, I am ashamed and embarrassed when I look back on what I did and how I acted. If I saw my son act that way, I'd be so angry. Well, you know, when you cheat like that, you you should be embarrassed. But you never need to be ashamed or embarrassed about the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. We, we can't effectively guard the gospel if we're ashamed of the gospel or embarrassed by it. So, do not be ashamed of the gospel. Secondly, in verse 8, Paul exhorts Timothy to share in suffering for the gospel. Share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, he writes. Now, suffering for Jesus is a major theme in this letter. And remember, these are the last words of the Apostle Paul, and we all know how important final words are. This is the last letter he ever wrote, so we're standing at attention, listening to every word that the Apostle Paul writes. We want to know what what are his final instructions to the church before he's done. So he invites Timothy and believers like us to join him in the fellowship of suffering for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ by the power of God. Not not in our own strength, not by our own devices, not through our own plans, but by the power of God. That's important. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you, not if, to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. Don't be surprised by pain. Don't be surprised at hardship. Don't be surprised at trial or tribulation or trouble, but rejoice. Rejoice? Well, the point is, you're being called to, to do something that is so abnormal and so countercultural. And so against human nature, it has to be supernatural if you do it. <laughs> when you share in suffering for the gospel, when you, when you uh, rejoice in the fact that these trials make you a partner with Christ, it's because the spirit of glory has fallen upon you and equipped you for this. It's not something that you can do in your own strength. Nobody can rejoice in suffering apart from the sovereign grace of the almighty God. The Bible says in James 1, verse 2, Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. So if there's a God, and if He's sovereign, and if He rules Satan and suffering and me, and causes kingdoms to go up 
and kingdoms to go down, and if he reigns over all the nations and over all circumstances, and over my cars and my children and my wife and my marriage and my job and my sickness and this church, and if he's good, then it's not stupid to say, consider it pure joy, because he loves us. And that's why he invites us into that. The Bible says in Romans 5, verse 3, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. That's why Paul invites Timothy to share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. It's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. Much good comes from suffering if we can embrace it for what it is, a gift from the sovereign hand of a gracious God who knows exactly what we need, when we need it, and where. The Apostle Paul himself cried out to God, not once or twice, but three times, and asked God to heal him, to relieve him from his pain and suffering. But God said to him in verse 9, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God reigns over Satan and over suffering, and therefore it's okay to, to, to resist your suffering in prayer and pray against it and ask God to, to relieve it, just like Paul. It's okay to do that. And sometimes he does miraculously and wonderfully heal, and sometimes he doesn't for his wise and holy purposes, according to his perfect plan. Well, in the next few verses, 9 through 12, Paul reviews the gospel, and, and in so doing, he elevates and exalts the gospel when he says in verse 9, 2 Timothy 1, verse 9, God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he's able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Oh, he summarizes the gospel, does a wonderful job at that. He summarizes the gospel after inviting us to suffer for the gospel by the power of God because the gospel is worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Why do I say that? Oh, because God saves us through the gospel. Verse 9, what a wonderful, concise description of the gospel. God saves. In his sovereign grace, God rescues sinners from their awful condition and transfers them, transfers them from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, and, 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 and he places them in his kingdom forever. God saves. Next, God sanctifies us. Verse 9, he, he called us to a holy calling, and set us apart by the power of the Holy Spirit for his own purpose and grace. And day after day, after day, he makes us a wee bit more like Jesus. 
So we, we are being conformed into the image of Christ. We're being shaped and molded into the image of Christ. That's sanctification. He saves us. He sanctifies us. And finally, he glorifies us. Verse 10, he abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And then Paul says in verse 12, this is why I suffer as I do. It's worth it. The gospel is worth it. (laughs) Through the gospel, Jesus saves us and he sanctifies us and he glorifies us. It's absolutely worth it. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the Russian novelist and philosopher, now dead, was in prison many years ago in Siberia, and he wasn't a Christian yet. He was suffering, and there was another man in that same prison by the name of Boris Kornfeld. He was a Jewish doctor who had, in fact, come to faith in Jesus Christ. They talked late into one night, and Boris gave his testimony of how he, as a Jewish doctor, had uh, come to faith in Jesus Christ, shared his testimony with Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And then he was beaten to death in his bed that same night. Later, Solzhenitsyn would write, His last words lay upon me as an inheritance. It was only when I lay there on rotting prison straw that I sensed within myself the first stirrings of good. Bless you, prison, for having been in my life. (laughs) Bless you, prison, for having been in my life. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, saved this man in his suffering through the message of the gospel. It's worth it. The gospel is is worth it, and Jesus is worth it. So in in light of all that, the, the Apostle Paul now charges Timothy to guard the gospel. Chapter 1, verse 13, he says, Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So just as an architect may draft a new house before adding all the details, or an artist might sketch the design of a portrait before she paints it, or a writer may start an outline of a paper or a book before writing the full manuscript, so Timothy was to follow the pattern of of Paul and follow the pattern of the sound words of the gospel that Paul had given him and then expound it and apply it as he taught. Timothy was not told to make up his own framework for the gospel or add or subtract to what Paul had given him. No, he was to take the the pattern of the sound words that he had heard from Paul and then hand them down to others in the same power with which he had heard them. You see, there is no other gospel than the one Paul passed along to Timothy and to us. There is no other gospel. There are some who want to trouble you 
There are some who want to distort the gospel, so be careful of the gospel according to Oprah or the gospel according to Rob Bell, or the gospel according to Joel Olstein. Be careful. We might apply the message of the gospel in a variety of ways today. That's okay. We might communicate or proclaim the message of the gospel with great imagination and creativity, and that's okay. But we may not, we must not alter the message of the gospel or the content of the biblical gospel. We need to guard that with our lives by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us we must guard the good deposit entrusted to it to us and and do it in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus and here's the wonderful balance of this passage Timothy was to be unashamed and bold and brave and and even aggressive in in the gospel ministry but but he was also to guard the gospel in faith and love. It says so right in the text. <laughs> we need to preserve the, this beautiful gospel by which the infinite wisdom and worth of God are put on display for all to see and hear. We need to guard the gospel against heretics and false teachers and wolves in sheep's clothing, but we must do it in faith and in Love, genuine Christian love. Even when talking to those who oppose us. Even when speaking to those who are teaching a false gospel. We need to do it with faith and with love. The the city of Berezniki, which is about 1,500 kilometers to the east of Moscow in Russia, is a city that is literally sinking into the earth. The city of more than 150,000 people was, was built directly on top of a potash mine, something that was fairly common, I guess, in the Soviet era. And after nearly 100 years of extracting hundreds of thousands of tons of potash from below the city, the city is starting to sink. Uh, the largest of the sinkholes is nicknamed the Grandfather. And it's about 1,300 feet across and 650 feet deep. That's a big sinkhole. In 2006, when a freshwater spring began flowing into the mine, about 1,500 feet below the surface, it dissolved the supporting pillars in the mine, and the city came crashing down. My friends, if we don't protect and guard the gospel... By the power of God. If we don't guard the gospel in faith and in love. If we don't live out the gospel day after day. And thus put on the. Put the glory and and, and majesty and splendor of God on display. Then the foundations are going to dissolve. And everything's going to come crashing down. So guard the gospel. Protect the gospel in faith and love, even if it means suffering. Would you pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, because you have hidden our lives in Christ, your love will always be the most constant, liberating, and reliable reality in our lives. Lord, the Bible says that you delight in us, 
quiet us with your love. Rejoice over us with singing 24-7. May this good news be more precious and more real to us than anything else. Lord, may this week be filled with knowing you better, resting in your grace, serving you more faithfully, loving those around us. Though the temptation for things like approval and riches and control will, will always be here, it will always be with us. May, may the joy of knowing you through the gospel of Jesus Christ actually seize our hearts and shape our schedules and, and consume our days. May we dance and suffer, work and play, serve and give all to your glory. Reveal more of Jesus to our hearts, Lord. Bring gospel renewal to our churches, Lord. And advance your kingdom in our city, Lord. Indeed, Lord Jesus, may the gospel compel us to love mercy, work for justice, and walk humbly with you until the day you take us home. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.